tonight. It's April Fool's Day, but then again, given the ongoing march of the radical transgender movement, isn't every day April Fool's Day? It's Friday, April 1st, and this is The Ezra Levant Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're a biggest carbon consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say is government is because it's my bloody right to do so. Happy April Fool's Day, everybody. Now, I could have done something cheesy, like write a fake monologue about a fake news story, you know, like proclaiming the Trudeau liberals are canceling the carbon taxes or Bill C-11. But really, why bother? Because is April Fool's Day even relevant anymore? Which is to say, in our politically correct woke cancel culture, isn't every day April Fool's Day? Statues of historical figures are being beheaded and torn down. Sports team nicknames ranging from Crusaders to anything Native-related are being eradicated. Even the term boys and girls or ladies and gentlemen, you know, descriptors that are relevant to 99.99999% of the population are being reimagined. Oh, you didn't hear about that, folks? Earlier this week, and I swear, this is no April Fool's Day joke, Disney theme parks decided that they are no longer using such vulgar language as boys and girls and ladies and gentlemen when it comes to making PA announcements. Here's what Disney's Vivian Ware had to say in a recent conference call that was thankfully recorded. Quote, we provided training for all of our cast members in relationship to that. So now they know it's hello, everyone, or hello, friends, end quote. By the way, Vivian Ware is Disney's diversity and inclusion manager. What does a diversity and inclusion manager do at Disney World? You know, remember when going to a theme park was all about having a fun time going on thrill rides and eating corn dogs and cotton candy and trying to win a stuffed animal? Now we must worry about diversity and inclusion and, of course, avoid using, quote, gender greetings, end quote. <clears throat> Say, did even a single park goer at Disney complain about gendered greetings? I doubt it. And so it is that friends is the politically correct disney descriptor for all people visiting Disney parks, regardless of genitalia. Friends. You know, it reminds me of a certain scene from a classic monster horror chiller theater movie. Before you came, I was all alone. It is bad to be alone. Alone. Bad. Friend. Good. Friend. Good. <laughs> Say, friends, we all know what's behind this insanity, don't we? It is society en masse caving to the radical transgender movement from the political elites to big business. Nobody wants to come across as non-inclusive these days, given the ongoing pandemic of wokeness. So it is that 
pregnant women are now referred to as pregnant people. So it is that breastfeeding is now chest feeding. God forbid that we offend those with a Y chromosome, even though men cannot give birth and men cannot breastfeed. Oh, but let's not allow Biology 101 to get in the way, shall we? Excuse me, it's ma'am. It is ma'am. Well, I think we have our titular character if Universal Studios ever goes ahead to making Frankenstein Monster the next generation. But of course, when bending the knee to the nutbars who comprise the radical transgender community, it isn't about just replacing words. It's about harming real women, be it in the world of sports or in the penal system. Recently, Liar, or I mean Leah Thomas, became the first fake woman to win an NCAA Division I national championship when he finished first in the 500-yard freestyle race. The NCAA allowing this to happen is a disgrace, of course. And what about the leftist mainstream media that always admonishes us to follow the science when it comes to everything from climate change to the COVID-19 pandemic? Well, suddenly, like so many ostriches burning their heads in the sand, they dare not mention the elephant in the room that male to female athletes have an inherent physical advantage over biological women, given everything from muscle mass to cardiovascular capacity. That's why, with the exception of auto racing and equestrian, males and females have always competed in separate categories. It's called a level playing field. <clears throat> but that was then, and this is now. In fact, instead of exposing Leah Thomas for the grifter that he is, namely a dude who was a mediocre swimmer at best in the men's division, the media and academia are protecting and promoting him. As I mentioned earlier this week in a rant I recorded, look at how NBC News digitally photoshopped Leah Thomas to look more feminine. That's because the whole narrative of trans women are real women kind of goes off the rails, wouldn't you say, when the she-male is sporting five o'clock shadow. So it is that NBC News morphed into NBC fiction and feminized Leah. Then again, this is the same news network responsible for rigging a test to falsely show that GM pickup trucks of yesterday were the equivalent of next-generation Ford Pintos. Remember this infamous report from 1992? Check it out. To see for ourselves what might happen in a side impact crash, Dateline NBC hired the Institute for Safety Analysis to conduct crash demonstrations. Unlike GM tests, the fuel tanks were filled with real gasoline. Look what happened. At impact, a small hole was punctured in the tank. According to our experts, the pressure of the collision and the crushing of the gas tank forced gasoline to spew from the gas cap. The fuel then erupted into flames when ignited by the impacting car's headlight. Wow, that was quite dramatic, quite frightening, wasn't it? Actually, no. You see, try as they might, NBC News could not get those GM pickup trucks to blow up when enduring a side impact. 
So NBC decided to tinker with the experiment to get those much sought after kaboom visuals, which is to say they secretly affixed incendiary devices on those gas tanks. I swear to God, folks, those journalists had their henchmen put little tiny bombs on those gas tanks to make those trucks blow up real good. Indeed, I would say that this kind of smear tactic that NBC used to demonize GM some 30 years ago might indeed be the great granddaddy of what we now refer to as fake news in the here and now. And they might have gotten away with it if not for a whistleblower who spilled the beans to GM. Now, the company would subsequently file a defamation lawsuit. Check out the Mia Culpa apology that aired courtesy of co-authors Jane Pauley and Stone Phillips as part of that out-of-court settlement in 1993. NBC's contractor did put incendiary devices under the trucks to ensure that there would be a fire if gasoline were released from the truck's gas tank. We said the crash, quote, forced gasoline to spew from the fuel cap, end quote. GM says since the gas cap was the wrong cap for the GM filler tube, and because the gas tank was overfilled, the cap came off when the impact occurred. We agree with GM that we should have told our viewers about these devices. The Dateline reporter, however, said, quote, at impact, a small hole was punctured in the tank, unquote. GM has now x-rayed that tank and found no hole. We acknowledge the placing of the incendiary devices under the truck was a bad idea from start to finish. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. But that's the thing. Three decades ago, folks, when NBC was caught red-handed falsifying the news, an apology was made, and some head honchos in the NBC News Department were rightfully terminated. But today, NBC seems to be taking the stance that fake news is good news if such fakery is being used to advance the cause of fake females. Pardon my French, but how effed up is that? Meanwhile, on our continent's cookie campuses, a cheater such as Leah Thomas is not to be vilified, but rather celebrated. And if you don't do so, then obviously you are a transphobe, capiche? Indeed, recently, a Purdue University professor of women's gender and sexuality studies, Cheryl Cookie, no, that's her real surname, folks, I swear, compared Leah Thomas to trailblazing baseball star Jackie Robinson, the first major league baseball player, to break the odious color barrier, stated Cookie, quote, Thomas as the first transgender athlete to win a Division I NCAA championship deserves to be placed among the other firsts, she should be embraced in the history of progress that sports represent and recognized as the trailblazer that she is, end quote. Can you imagine? Oh, by the way, which media outlet did Professor Cookie write her opinion piece for? <laughs> You guessed it, NBC News. What does NBC stand for these days, by the way? Nothing but crap. Now, at this point, folks, I'm going to run a video we aired five years ago. Back then, it was meant to be satire, parody, 
a goof vis-a-vis radical transgenderism. Little did we know we were actually being clairvoyant. Check it out. Earlier this year, the National Basketball Association stripped Charlotte of the NBA All-Star Game. The reason for this, folks, was the NBA was upset with North Carolina's so-called bathroom bill. You know, the bill that requires people of the appropriate gender to use the appropriate bathroom? Well, if the NBA is all about trans-friendly rights, Let's put that to the test. I'm here at the Air Canada Centre where the Toronto Raptors are having tryouts for cheerleaders in my persona as Lady Menzoid. I'm going to see if I can crack the team. And I know what you're thinking, uh, it was a long winter, okay? What a workout. Well, on the one hand, folks, kudos to the Toronto Raptors for letting me, the lovable lady Menzoid, have a tryout with the real woman. But you know something? Since I didn't get a gig with the squad, I can't think of what a missed opportunity there was here for the Raptors and the NBA. I mean, after all, I could have been the first trans cheerleader in all of pro sports. I mean, just think about it. It would be like when Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier with the Brooklyn Dodgers in 1945. For that lack of diversity and that non-inclusion, I'm afraid the NBA and the Toronto Raptors, when it comes to trans acceptance, gets two thumbs down and one other appendage. Well, there you have it. And I truly thought the most outrageous thing that I could come up with back then was comparing transgender cheats to the late, great Jackie Robinson. Indeed, when the segment first aired back in 2017, our haters called us out for being transphobic. Well, sorry to disappoint you guys and gals and others. The joke's on you. We were simply ahead of the curve. Just ask Professor Cookie. But you would think the gong show, that is the Leah Thomas story, would make sports federations rewrite the rules to prevent future gender bender fiascos from occurring. But no, they are doubling down. Consider this announcement from the brainiacs who run the Commonwealth Games. You see, an unnamed athlete who previously competed in male events will now be in contention for selection in a female cycling category. Here's what the Commonwealth Games Federation told the Telegraph newspaper, quote, the CGF will work on close partnership with the relevant international federations to establish qualification and eligibility criteria for athlete participation at the Birmingham 2022 Commonwealth Games. 
The new policy will be keeping with principles established in the IOC framework on fairness, inclusion, and non-discrimination on, on the basis of gender identity and sex variations, end quote. Can you believe that, folks? These social justice weirdos have the absolute chutzpah to use words such as fairness and inclusion and non-discrimination in order to justify their policy of being unfair and non-inclusive and highly discriminatory when it comes to the rules and regulations pertaining to transgender athletes who will now be competing against biological female athletes. The only silver lining here is this. How many people do you think give a rodent's rectum about the Commonwealth Games? Answer? Nobody. Yeah, way to go, Commonwealth Games. You just made yourselves even less relevant than the PAM scam games. But at the end of the day, sports, even elite and professional grade sports, they're just about fun and games, aren't they? They are the toy department of life. But here's what's not funny when it comes to the radical transgender agenda. How about male convicts pretending to be female so that they can do their time in a woman's penitentiary? That's the policy right now in Canada, folks. And one needn't slice and dice her genitalia, nor take hormone shots, etc. No, all a male criminal must do is simply say that he identifies as a she, and presto, your cellmates are suddenly females rather than males. I know what could possibly go wrong, right? In fact, we covered a transphobic protest regarding this issue in Kitchener, Ontario last year. Check it out. When I first got here, I was told right away by some of the women to watch out for a certain prisoner. And I said, wait, we have men here? And they're like, yeah, we do. But you're not allowed to call them men and you have to use she, her pronouns. Are you telling me, Heather, I can just deviously say, hey, I'm a woman all of a sudden and I'm here. Yes, you could. Will you uh, do your best to ensure that trans women are put in prison uh, or prison more appropriate to their gender identity? The answer is yes. The next day it was policy. And Unbelievable. That is how much consideration women got. It's sorry to see real women like yourselves throw women inmates under the bus because of males pretending to be females. I, I will not call him a woman because he was not. Um, how he victimized women throughout the compound over that period of time absolutely floored me. We really should be able to define a woman in this country. And sure, let trans people live the way they want. However, you can't just throw women under the bus. Yeah, I think Sergeant Hand said it all, didn't he? In Justin Trudeau's Canada, you have the right to be whatever you want. Okay, then I'm currently identifying as a 13-year-old female ringette player. Oh, but hang around, folks. In about 20 minutes or so, I'm going to be identifying as a Westinghouse toaster. The bottom line is simply this. In the name of radical transgenderism, big business and big academia and big media are all on board when it comes to violating the rights 
of 100% biological woman. You know that community that makes up about 4 billion people on this planet. What we need right now are brave politicians to go against this insane grain. We need laws enacted to protect real women, be it those females competing in sports or those who are doing time in prison. There are indeed moves afoot in a handful of U.S. states in this regard. I'd like to see such common sense take hold in our great dominion as well. Put another way, let's make April Fool's Day great again, which is to say, let's put an end to transanity. Let's confine April Fool's Day to the first day of April, as opposed to pretending that April Fool's Day is a 24 seven, 365 day a year occurrence. Well, folks, the debate regarding climate change will continue to rage on for the years and decades ahead. But consider the curious case of my guest, Alex Epstein. Alex has written a few books on fossil fuels in 2014. He penned the moral case for fossil fuels, and he has an upcoming book called Fossil Future. But check this out. It looks as though the Washington Post is perhaps going to publish a hit piece on Alex, not based on flawed data or anything like that, but based on the fact that my guest is a racist? Unbelievable. And joining me now from south of the border is Alex Epstein himself. <laughs> Hi, how you doing there, my friend? That's funny to call it south of the border. I was like, wait, I'm not from Mexico, but of course. <laughs> Uh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm doing great, uh, considering I woke up on Monday hearing that one of the most powerful newspapers in the world was going to falsely portray me as racist to destroy my career and my book. You know, Alex, I see this as an ad hominem attack. I have come across nothing in my research that suggests that you are remotely racist. Why is the Washington Post going down this road instead of challenging you on your facts of in terms of why you love fossil fuels or even wearing the T-shirt right uh -huh. now, I see? Why are they doing a personal attack and smearing you? Let, let me just make sure everyone is, is familiar with the facts. So my publicist sent them a copy of this book. Fossil Future. So that's an upcoming book. They sent it to their climate, one of their leading climate journalists. So it's a book about energy and climate. It makes sense to send it to that journalist. That journalist responded by saying, hey, thanks for the book. Uh, we're going to run this piece. Would you like to comment? And so the piece was just a hit piece beyond compare. So what they did is they looked through all of everything I've ever written to find the most controversial thing in their eyes which they decided was some stuff I wrote when I was 18 or 19, which was incredibly individualist and explicitly non-racist, but they distorted it as racist. They ignored many explicit statements by me about the evil of racism, et cetera, et cetera. So it's just a complete hit job. And then they use that to say, because he's racist, 
then he doesn't really care about things like poor people in Africa getting fossil fuels, and therefore we don't have to listen to his arguments. So they were discrediting me through this totally false racism allegation that was based on this total distortion of 23-year-old documents. So of course I know this is a hit piece. So when they're asking me for a comment, they are asking me to participate in my own destruction. And I refuse to do that. I told them I will comment, but the comment I chose to make was public. And so what I did was I preemptively refuted and condemned the intended piece. And we have a very clear outline of the piece. It has quotes. It has certain academics uh, saying that I am racist based on a distortion of these documents. It is very clearly a hit piece. I had definitive evidence they were going to do a hit piece. And therefore, I did the right thing again, which was to preemptively refute and condemn the piece. Now, what happened is I got an overwhelming amount of support because I was obviously right. It got mentioned on the Joe Rogan experience. Uh, the original post got seen over 2 million times. Uh, I had this hour-long video that anyone who watches finds persuasive. And so what's happened is The Washington Post was supposed to publish the piece over two days ago. It still hasn't happened. We don't know whether it will. The only thing that they've done in response is, get this, they have condemned me for online bullying of the journalist who tried to destroy my life. So me defending myself preemptively, they say, you shouldn't have done that. You should have just let the hit piece to destroy your life have run, and then you can comment. So it really, and not just the Washington Post managing editor said this, something called Penn just said this, some journalism organization, and a dozen other journalists who are like friends of the journalist who did this hit piece on me, they stood up, they all called my attacks baseless. I made a one hour complete expose with proof and primary source documents. So journalism in the mainstream journalism, as far as I'm concerned, is dead. And unless the Washington Post at this point needs to fire their executive editor, uh, unless they clean house, they are worthless as a journalistic institution. Yeah, you won't get an argument from me there, Alex. But can you give me a tangible example or two or three, whatever it may be, on why it is this journalist is vilifying you as a racist? What did she dig up in her research that is saying, aha, he said this or he wrote that, therefore he is a racist? Oh, sure. Yeah. And I documented this very clearly. And anyone can see it on Twitter. But the first and main category was to say that because I praised Western culture as superior, I am therefore a racist. And they put it as he praised Western white culture as superior. But I said very explicitly, I had a an article in the main Duke University newspaper called Judging Cultures is Not Racist. And I made very clear that race and culture, skin color and culture, are totally different things because culture is about ideas and skin color has nothing to do with ideas. So the fact that most of the people involved in creating the best parts of Western culture had light skin is totally meaningless to me. And yet they're portraying me as racist. The other thing, when there are only two things, so we we know we can see the document. I've made the document available online. The other thing is that I said certain critical things about Martin Luther King Jr. from an individualist and pro-freedom perspective. Specifically, I was critical of him for affiliating with the global communist movement, and I was critical of him for supporting certain welfare programs and certain race preference programs that I argued proved to be very destructive to the black individuals they were supposed to benefit. 
That is certainly a reasonable view. It is not a racist view. It is an anti-racist view. And again, I have a public track record from the time I was a teenager of being a public unvarnished, like complete opponent of racism. So the Washington Post and this other organization called Documented that they're in cahoots with, it is a total act of journalistic fraud. And the motivation is obviously to destroy me. Why do you respond to a new book by trying to dig up things from 23 years ago and distort them? That's not journalism. That's character assassination. Oh, I, I totally agree. And let's unpack some of the things you just said there, Alex. I mean, when you say Western culture is superior, I would agree with that. I would, and I believe in American exceptionalism. That might be deemed a racist term these days, but the proof is in the proverbial pudding. You go around the world, there are lineups in every country of people trying to emigrate uh, to uh, they're racist, right? the, the USA. That's yeah. right, and and uh, it's very um, telling that the journalists inserted the. Word word white when that wasn't part of your original uh, transcript. Uh, in other words, skin color had nothing to do with that statement. And Martin Luther King Jr., he was a great man. But as I've always said, uh, Alex, show me a great man. I'll also show you a flawed man. And his flaws, again, have nothing to do with skin color. So they're hanging this character assassination on this. That, that seems only, to be so tenuous. This. That's it. You can see the email. It's it's only this. And so what they did is they took these quotes, they distorted them in their own way, and then they got two prominent, I believe, black academics, one from Harvard, one from Stanford, to say that, hey, these are racist. One in particular was quoted as saying something like, this shows a biased a bias toward great white figures uh, as against great black figures. Like, I won't say the curse word, but what the hell are you talking about? Yeah. Like, how could you possibly say this about me? You don't know me at all. This is just total nonsense. Who knows what this guy was fed? I wouldn't have I wouldn't be surprised if he was fed something distorted, but this is completely inexcusable to treat somebody this way. And again, this is a book about energy and climate. Yeah. Why do they why are they even going here? The reason they're going here is the same reason they're totally distorting the facts and it's because they want to destroy me without engaging my arguments because they have no answer to my arguments. And they're afraid that fossil future is going to be a wild success. And because I preempted them, that's going to even help it be a success. But if I had to let them destroy me, like all the journal, so-called journalists are advocating, I would be sitting here right now defending my life against the idea that I'm racist instead of them defending their lives against a hit piece on me, which is the just thing. They should be on the defensive, not me. You know, it reminds me, Alex, of that great Margaret Thatcher quote when she was prime minister of Great Britain, when she was asked by a journalist, when people start making uh, remarks about how you look or how much you weigh, you know, do these ad hominem attacks, uh, how do you feel? And she says, I feel quite happy because it means I've won the argument. They don't <laughs> they don't have anything yeah. uh, to attack my policies, my ideas, my thoughts. So they have to resort to ad hominem attacks. I think that might be the case with you. But tell me, Alex, I'm not a defamation lawyer, but this sounds to me that The Washington Post is dancing with defamation here. Um, they've you know, misconstrued what you've said. They've lied about some of the things you've said. Are you thinking of lawyering up in case this uh, smear article does come to be? That is, if it indeed gets published. I am exploring all just options. I'll just say that. Okay, fair enough. And again, um, you know what the perverse irony is? Is that um, I think with your books, you make a profound 
case for fossil fuels. Um, we're pro-fossil fuels here, that's for sure. I think the perverse irony is that even if you were racist, um, let's let's look at, say, Albert Einstein. If Albert Einstein was a racist, it still wouldn't detract from the idea that he's also a genius. Now, neither you nor Einstein are racist, of course, but that's how flawed I think the Post's argument is, that because you are allegedly a racist, therefore everything in your book is rubbish. And I'm saying, no, that's not the way it works. Yeah, although I, I do argue that it does work in the opposite direction, namely the attacks against me and against fossil fuels in this case are racist. And I mean that very directly. So basically, people are saying I'm a racist for saying Western culture is superior, white Western culture is superior. If you call it white Western culture, Western culture is defined politically by freedom. That means you think freedom is white. That is a racist idea. And the other thing is you are advocating policies that deprive the world of fossil fuels. Who gets hurt the most from that? People who lack low-cost, reliable energy. Most of those people have darker skin, so-called people of color. So it's a racist idea directly by saying that freedom is white, and it's a racist idea indirectly because energy deprivation harms people of color the most. So I, and this is why, you know, certain uh, allies of mine in Africa have stood up and said, hey, this is a brother to us. This guy has stood up for us when everyone else was oppressing us with these anti-fossil fuel policies. And I will continue uh, to do that. And I am not going to be one bit deterred by being called racist, but I will use the term racist where it is justified. And the attacks on me are racist attacks. Yeah, that is a, a perverse slice of irony as well. But, you know, th this is the thing, Alex, that really bothers me is that we now live in a day and age of wokeism, of cancel culture, um, where everything is racist. And of course, if everything is racist, nothing is racist. And it used to be when you looked at, you know, cl uh, classical liberals, they were all about uh, free speech, uh, freedom of expression. They were all about, say, if you say that there's a moral case for fossil fuel, they'll take you on a debate and say, well, here's why it's immoral to use fossil fuels. And at the end of the day, you shake hands and go to the pub and have a pint. But now it's if you take a contrarian view, um, especially, I think, to the left, to what mainstream media are peddling, you are essentially an enemy of, a, of the state and you have to be shut down. There cannot be any debate. And if it means smearing somebody, as is the case here, that he's a racist, so be it. This is really disappointing, especially in your country, the land of the First Amendment. I, I agree entirely. So if you need to respond to ideas with better ideas, and if you think my ideas are so obviously wrong and bad, why don't you give a refutation of them? But these guys, these journalists, they can't even give a refutation uh, of my clear argument that I was unfairly attacked and smeared because it's just it's irrefutable. So it's it's a really sad sign. Uh, of how weak, I mean, it's in a sense a happy sign for me, how weak the climate catastrophist fossil fuel eliminating position is. I've been arguing this for years, and with Fossil Future, I think I really show it to a new level, but you're just seeing the intellectual level of these people that they can't even, they're calling baseless a total refutation of this article. And also, all of the climate activists who've commented on this, not one has defended me against the racism. They've all been gleeful 
or endorsing it. If any climate catastrophist, I guarantee you, was attacked as racist to discredit them on climate and it was totally bogus, I would be the first person to stand up and I would stand up against anyone on my side who did that. The fact that nobody on that side has stood up for me shows the low moral character that I've witnessed privately for years. No, I agree with you, Alex. I mean, it's absolutely shameful. And I guess we'll just have to see in the days ahead if this Washington Post article uh, comes to fruition. Uh, we've touched on many subjects. Is there anything I might have missed regarding this issue that we haven't discussed, Alex? I think we can already learn a lesson from this. And I, and I wanted I, part of the reason I spent time on this was I wanted to create a model for others to follow. And that is if that you know you are the victim of a hit piece and you are asked for comment, do not comment to the writer. That is participating in the injustice. What you need to do is you need to preemptively and publicly refute and condemn the hit piece so that the story becomes there is a totally unjust hit piece against you, not the content of the hit piece. Now, this is only true if you're innocent. So this is not, you know, some people who get, quote, canceled, they're not innocent in a sense they deserve to be canceled or they deserve to at least be reprimanded. But if you're innocent, which often happens, then again, do not participate in the injustice. Don't sanction your destroyers. Preempt it publicly. This is what's the journalism community is so mad at me because I talked about a story that hadn't come out. Yes, because I had clear proof of the outline that it was going to destroy me. And I was absolutely within my rights to preempt it. And I encourage others to do the same. We cannot allow this racket where these powerful journalists and papers get to destroy our reputations. And then we have to play defense and they issue a retraction eight months later, if at all. That's a ridiculous game that I will never play. Well said. Well, you know, Alex, um, I live by the credo, the truth is the best defense. And the truth of the matter is you don't have a racist bone in your body. This is a despicable smear tactic. And if the people at the Washington Post wonder why a growing number of people refer to that newspaper as the Washington Compost, well, we have yet another example. Alex, thank you for so much for uh, spending time with me and good luck with this. And if that article does come out, please come back on the Ezra Levant Show. We'd like to follow up with you. Uh, thanks and thanks for giving me the opportunity to expose this injustice. You got it. And that was Alex Epstein. Keep it here, folks. More of the Ezra Levant Show to come right after this. Well, folks, you had plenty to say about Ezra's monologue yesterday regarding Germany banning the letter Z, or is it Z? Regardless, I don't know how we're going to say words like zoo or zenith in Germany anymore, but I digress. Lapis Loaf writes, this is April Fool's, right? I can never tell the difference between reality and fiction anymore. You're right. And uh, that was what my uh, monologue was about. So you are ahead of the curve, kind sir. Anton Korinvesky writes, Bad news, the Russians also use letters V and O to mark military vehicles in this war. What happens if they start using the S sign? Are dollars going to be banned too? I don't know, my friend, but one thing I do know for sure, man, I am feeling so sorry for future contestants on Wheel of Fortune. And Richard Bayer writes, 
referring to Hunter Biden's laptop, that is. Short answer, Hunter is no longer useful, and now it's okay to discard him. I'll go a step further, my friend. I would say if Hunter Biden's name was, say, oh, I don't know, Donald Trump Jr., do you think maybe this story is on the front page? Do you think maybe all the investigative journalists in America are turning over every stone? Yeah, I think so. Well, folks, that's our show for the evening. Uh, tune back in on Monday. The big boss man himself, Ezra Levant, will be here. In the meantime, have a wonderful weekend. And as always, stay sane. This is Kristen Sobot here with Rebel News. We are here at Queen's Park today for a rally. We're reaching the two-year anniversary since these have been happening. Restrictions have been lifted, but people are still here because the mandates are put in place. So we're going to be speaking to people today about their opinions on Trudeau's recent trip to the EU as well as the recent NDP coalition. bringing you out today. I'm here for the freedom, right? Now, we just want all mandates to be right over because so-called uh, government is lifting mandates, but I know people, my friends, who are still losing their employment. We're going to crush the establishment and it just takes resistance. Rebel News is doing some good reporting. You guys are doing amazing, so keep it up. Standing up uh, for our fundamental freedoms. Um, you know, people are saying that, uh, hey, the mandates are over and blah, 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 but they're actually not because uh, people are still losing their jobs. Uh, Canadians are still hostage within their their own country. Uh, if you're not vaccinated, you can't fly out, you can't board a plane. I, came, I, I come here to fight for freedom because uh, this is so important. We saw freedom. It's, uh, it's not a, a country anymore. I want our freedoms back and uh, we got some of them, but not all of them. So we're going to keep coming back till till, us, till uh, we're free. I'm here to fight for everybody's rights. We stand against mandates, we stand against any vaccines, against any population control, digital ID, and uh, everybody go to their normal life. Uh, you still have to mask on on uh, TTC, uh, and of course the the federal mandates, which the the whole convoy started over, are still in place. I can't fly back home to Calgary without a Vax passport. I can't take via rail without the Vax passport. So we still don't have our charter rights of freedom of mobility back. Even after all of this is done, we really need to make sure that there's some kind of a review done that we never end up in this type of situation again. I'm here for the freedom, right? We just want all mandates to be over because so-called uh, government is lifting mandates but I know people my friends who are still losing their employment so that this is this is not right I I need to see my mom in India I can't fly out of the country I love this country but uh, all of a sudden this is a country I, I don't know it's a it's a, like the country I come from like China there's an I cannot travel I cannot go to the restaurant I cannot go anywhere without vaccination but this is my personal choice this is a so ridiculous as it's been two years How do you feel about Trudeau uh, traveling to the EU despite domestic restrictions still being in place for us? 
I, well, that's a great question. I just love the fact that that woman spoke real truth, uh, calling him out, basically. Unfortunately, he's a, he's sort of a clown, a puppet. I think it's a big clown show. I think it's just, uh, he's just trying to put on a nice show for everybody, trying to have his little power grab, have his little spotlight. He thinks he's a celebrity. It's what he really wants. He wants to be a Hollywood celeb. It's really what he wants. He should just come out and admit it. Maybe go take some acting classes. He might do a little better in his speeches. How do you feel the coalition is going to affect these mandates? The coalition is probably the worst thing that's ever happened to Canada. And unfortunately, um, yeah, uh, too bad for Canadians that it's probably not going to be getting any better sooner because of this. Uh, I personally don't see the mandates uh, going away without a fight. Um, and it's just, it's, again, it, it's one of those shocking things that have happened. <laughs> it's wrong. It, it shouldn't have happened. There should be laws in place to prevent parties from joining. That's not what voters voted for. Even if you are a part of those parties, it's, it's not. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that's not what they wanted. It actually it concerns me greatly, um, mostly because I'm a federal employee, 30 years, uh, forced on to leave. Um, and so while I've been adding my name to every petition that I can of any politician that's been trying to get it brought forward, um, I'm really concerned that he's going to not back down. And now that he has the NDP support, um, there's nothing that the others can do. Do you think that Canada will be free again? Do you believe that, that we will get there? Yeah, I have the faith. And I think uh, Canada is a, a God-blessed country. And uh, even in, you know, Atom Song, we have that God make this country glorious and free. I believe that. It's hard to say. Like, uh, at the same time, I think things are getting better. Uh, we, you know, federal mandates haven't been dropped. So is it just a show or is what we're doing here working? Nothing is lifted. Still in the plane, you have to mandate people. His works, doctors are not back to jobs, to their jobs. Uh, you still need uh, proof of vaccination to get in the plane. So it's nothing really back to normal.